Welcome to the Get Fit AF with Angie Fraser podcast, a fitness channel with a difference. We aim to challenge traditional views on fitness and what it means to be fit AF. We cover real questions from real people, including my clients and friends, chat with inspiring and passionate people, and maybe the odd rant along the way. Join us to get fit AF without the bullshit. All right, so mini cuts is just another way to structure a calorie deficit for fat loss. So most of you know that when you want to lose body fat, if you've spoken to me before and you've got your programs, we need to create an energy deficit for fat loss. That's the that's the truth of the matter that is um, a painful truth, but there are less painful ways to do it. So when you're first starting out on fat loss, and some of you are at that point, but some of you are at the point where, you know, it's getting harder to lose body fat because you're closer to where you want to be. So when you have a bit more to lose, you can lose body fat by just making a few simple adjustments to your diet um, relatively easy. Like it does seem hard at first because you've either got to quantify your food, um, count calories, whichever way you want to go about it, try and um, cut back on some things that you might have been having and sort of um, move a bit more as well. But you can usually make some progress just in doing that. So a mini cut is a shorter, more intense period of calorie restriction followed by a period of maintenance. And there's a little bit of research out there that tells us that if we take two groups of people and put them on a calorie deficit, the same calorie deficit for a period of 12 weeks, we put group A on two weeks of calorie deficit, one week of maintenance. We put group B on just a continuous calorie deficit for 12 weeks. Group A loses more body fat long-term. How is that when they've both got this same calorie deficit mathematically? because group A found it easier to stick to the diet protocol because they had breaks throughout the 12 weeks instead of 12 weeks of continuous calorie deficit. So ultimately, every time you want to lose body fat, it comes down to adherence. So that can be individual. Some people can get it done short and sharp and fast and stick to it. Others of us, myself included, drag it, drag it out a bit. So when we're talking about doing a mini cut, we need to be a little bit more precise than just changing habits because we're going to look at not only um, your calories a bit more closely or your calorie deficit, but things like protein will factor in as well, food portions, so we do need to get a little bit more precise and that's the downside to it. So the plus side to it is that hopefully we're going to see more fat loss over time because we're able to adhere to it. But the downside is that we're going to have to be a little bit more focused than if we were just doing like general fat loss, general calorie restriction. So what I want you guys to take away from this talk today is just the ability to decide yourselves how you're going to go about your fat loss. And this is just another way of presenting that to you. So um, 
if you've got pen and paper and your calculator on your phone, I'm going to get you to do a little bit of maths tonight as well. Um, if you struggle with it, I'll make it as simple as possible. But if you struggle with it and you're not sure on it, you can send it to me afterwards and I'll double check it for you. Um, to do, to do, so I've covered that. I'm just looking at my notes to make sure I've covered everything. So the first thing we want to do when we're going to work out what calories we need for a mini cut is we need to work out what our maintenance calories are. And there's some quite compu complicated formulas to do that but there's a really simple way that gets us to basically the same answer as the complicated formulas. Um, it's quick and easy. And I'm going to teach that to you guys tonight. Now, whenever you calculate someone's calories, myself included, it's not an exact science because what you're trying to do, you're feeding in the information about someone's lifestyle so obviously we're taking into account your basal metabolic rate, which is what you would burn if you were in a hospital bed and not moving at all. And then we need to factor in your activity levels. And some of you will have heard me say this before. This might be news to some of you. Yes, I'm a fitness trainer, but exercise is the smallest component of your energy burn for fat loss. Your incidental movement getting up from your chair, your desk, moving around, going shopping, um, parking a bit further away, taking steps is the biggest contributor to your total daily energy expenditure. So what we're trying to do when we do fat loss is create, create a deficit between the energy that you need, which I'm going to call maintenance calories to stay the same weight. We want to drop that down and create an energy deficit. So we can do that most people try to do that through exercise and it's really pushing shit uphill when most of us don't have time to work out as much as we would need to. So exercise is contributing about 5% to your total daily energy expenditure, even as low as three and your incidental movement contributes 20%. So we're trying to get up, move around a bit more without overdoing it. I just want to give you that background so when we work, quite often when I work out someone's maintenance calories, and I may have written it into some of your programs, it's so that I can conceptualize for you that the energy that you need often is quite on a day-to-day -day basis to stay the same weight. It's like actually surprisingly high for a lot of people. And they find it surprisingly high because they're used to being on a 1200 calorie diet. So they're used to this notion that I must be on 1200 calories to lose weight. And yeah, that's true because that's going to put you in a massive calorie deficit. And for some people who weigh less, it is the case. But your basal metabolic rate is different for everybody because it's based on your mass and also our gender. So we're all women here tonight. So I want you to take your current weight or approximately what you weigh at the moment or what you think you might weigh. And I want you to times that by 22. And I'll do this for myself, just an example. So when you've worked that out, let me know. As I said, this is a shortened version of complicated formulas and it, it tends to spit out the same result. Um, 
So that number that you've got there is your estimated basal metabolic rate. So the calories that you burn at rest without moving around. Now I'm going to get you guys to think about your average day. You might have an idea of your steps. You might overestimate how active you are. You might think that you're very active and you may not be, but let's just be quite conservative. So if you sit at your desk or your machine all day, you don't really get up. And this, if you're a shift worker, you're going to have different days but let's let's work it on your lowest energy day so that we can be conservative and make sure that we're not giving you too much so if you sit most of the day barely move don't go anywhere walking times your result by 1.1 if you are a little bit more active than that you come out you do some exercise you might go here and there a few times during the day um, you might get about you know six eight thousand steps give yourself 1.2 so times your number by 1.2 if you're very active and you're doing 10,000 plus more steps a day or you have an active physical job where you're barely sitting down, times your number by 1.3. But make sure you're being conservative because, as I said, you don't want to overestimate. If you overshoot your energy requirements, that's how we gain body fat, by taking in more energy than we actually need. Okay. Did your number, so you should have come to your maintenance calories. You've taken your current weight, times it by 22, and you've factored in your activity. So you're either a, a times 1.1, which is very low activity levels. You're either a times 1.2, which is sort of moderate, okay, but still a bit low, or times to 1.3, which is fairly active physical job. Most of it relates to your job because that's what most of us are doing. Now, did your number surprise you? I'd love to hear from you guys if you want to jump on, unmute yourself and say, does it seem high? Does it seem low? Yeah, mine seems high. Yours seems high? Like 1972? What fact, what daily activity factor did you oh, give yourself? I, I, put, I put not active. So 1.1? Yeah. You, yeah, you'd be right. Yeah. 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 I, I, and I just did that because, yeah, I don't know. Like I have, I have been pretty good with my steps, but mm. not consistently yeah. enough across the whole year to say that I'm semi-active. Yeah. Oh, that's all right, Alice. That's fine. Um, did you find your numbers surprising? Just type it in the text box if you've got a free thinker. That's all right. And you can you can let me know or everyone. I've just let everyone know that you've messaged me anyway. You don't have to talk. You can listen. Um, yeah, a lot of the times when I um, tell people what their maintenance calories are, it seems high and they kind of somewhat less than what you're eating, Beck. Have you been 
gaining body fat or did you give yourself a low daily activity factor maybe and this is where it becomes a little bit of trial and error so it's not an exact science even when you jump onto a website that offers you the chance to give you your calorie intake it's an estimate when I tell you what I think it is it's an estimate yep yep but it's based on your mass guys so if we're it seems high to you because you're used to diet culture. And what we do, you're used to this notion of 1200 calories or less. And what we don't realize is that the periods when we're not watching what we eat or practicing good nutrition habits, we are going over that. If we're gaining weight, most of us are eating over 2000 calories a day. We just don't realize it because that's how easy it is. And this is where when we're talking about doing mini cuts, so short periods of really focused fat loss, this is why I'm saying that we need to be quite focused. And I don't want to scare any, any of you. I just want to give you the facts so that you can one day um, decide uh, like how you want to do it. You might choose a more moderate long-term approach. Um, you might decide, yep, I've got blocks in my calendar that I can be really, you know, um, really focused with and I can do this and get it done a bit quicker. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, we under, yeah, go Alex. Did you want to talk? Oh, sorry, I was just typing it down on oh. my computer. <laughs> You're right, because you've come off mute, so you can talk oh, if you like. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Um, oh, I'm just writing down um, like the metabolic rate, like what I, what mine come up with. But, yeah, it does seem very high. Yeah, but that's what it is. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. And it seems high because of our... I think whenever we look at calories like you guys or when you ha might have in the past, you've only looked at it from a diet perspective. You haven't looked at it from a maintenance perspective. And this is my big thing I'm trying to get through to people. Yeah, when we want to lose weight, we've got to be in a calorie deficit. There's no two ways about it. And there's no point telling people unhelpful advice like, oh, don't diet, don't restrict yourself it's right and it's wrong to a degree like I don't believe in ridiculous restriction but when we have excess body fat we need to cut from somewhere and how you go about that should be entirely up to you based on facts not someone's method not my method not you're not a person that's done a bodybuilding comp and they're going to just redo that plan with every client that they have now um so armed with that information guys I hope that that's actually getting you guys to think oh my god I you will have a lower basal metabolic rate when you lose weight it's important to take that into consideration as well so you if you drop 10 kilos you know you need to recalculate this if you become more active you need to recalculate this if you become less active you know, and this is what I'm here for, guys. So I'm not, I'm just giving you guys the understanding of how it works. 
I don't expect that you guys should have to do this all the time or manage it yourself because you've got a lot of things going on in your life. So this is what I'm here for. But when you have the knowledge, you can come to me and say, oh, I was thinking um, X, Y, Z, like Beck does. Um, you know, what do you think? And I'll bring in some extra knowledge as well. This is a very basic overview. Um, but I think that doing your maintenance calories is a really good exercise because it gives you something to look forward to when you're doing the fat loss process. Like how good, and I've got clients who have gotten to this point, but they're very rare because dieting is so ingrained in women and losing weight is so ingrained that I rarely successfully get people to the point where they're at maintenance. And I have gotten a couple of clients to the point where I've said, no more fat loss. It's time to actually eat at maintenance and lift weights. And they can't wrap their head around it. It takes a while because they're like, oh my God, you mean I can eat 1700 calories every day? Yes. You know, and the process of dieting, your, your maintenance diet shouldn't look a lot different to your diet diet. We want to get your diet to the point where you're eating high protein, you're eating a wide variety of fruits and vegetables, and you're including some good carbohydrates there. Now, what your maintenance diet should look like is not going dropping everything and having a diet break where you don't think you just eat whatever you want. That's how we gain fat. It's more about adding in bigger portions of those, um, you know, good food choices that we've made during the diet process. Let's have a bit more protein here. Let's have a bit more carbohydrate there. And let's include some calories for enjoyment as well, about 20%. Okay, so I'm going off track again because I always start talking about that kind of thing. But you've done your maintenance calories now. So how much should you, you cut? And this comes down, it's individual. 20% is a pretty, you know, it'll get you fat loss if you can successfully um, adhere to it. Now, it's a moderate deficit. So if you take your number, your second number, so you've got your, your basal metabolic rate times your daily activity level, times that by 20%, like 0 0.20, and that's your calorie deficit for cutting. That's what I would recommend. Some people go bigger. Um, I would say that it's probably more difficult for people to stick to. And then you've got to weigh up risk versus reward. So the risks of being in a calorie deficit are feeling hungry, feeling, okay, the end number, Alex. So once you've added your activity level, so the first number was your basal metabolic rate. That's what you burn without um, moving. Then you've added in, you've factored in your activity. And that's the second number. And now you want to get 20% of that number and you're going to take it away. So I here's me as an example. So 68 times 22 times 
1.2, I'm going to say that gives me 1795. 20% of that is 359. So when I'm doing cutting, I want to take three, say 360 calories out of my day. So that was minus 360. So that's going to give me a daily calorie target of 1435 calories. That's a 20% deficit for me. All right. So when we're talking about mini cuts is really about periodizing your dieting. So it's doing short blocks of dieting followed by some maintenance. So my short block of dieting might be two or three weeks at about 1,430 calories and then a week at 1,700 odd. Just to give me that mental break physical break so what happens when you diet for a long time is that you start to move less so that incidental movement that I mentioned if you're trying to be on 1200 calories for three months you'll lose a lot of body fat you will but you'll also start training less uh, your training performance will go down you might still be trying to exercise a lot Training performance and adaptations will go down. Incidental movement will go down. You won't even notice it happening. You'll stop moving your hands like this. You'll stop doing facial expressions and you'll stop fidgeting and stuff. Your body will down-regulate that movement because you're trying to be in a massive calorie deficit for too long. What that does is closes the gap. So you've tried to create a deficit like this by dieting on 1,200 calories. Your body will adjust it down so it becomes a smaller deficit and you're not getting the results that you wanted. So you need to look at your calendar yourself. Let's, If we're being honest, most of us regular people who are not bodybuilders, not trying to prep for anything like that, not trying to make weight for a sport, so we're not motivated by any of those factors. Um, we go on holidays. We go on weekends away. We have work trips. They would really be just about for most people, long weekends, things like that, diet breaks. But if you have a look at your calendar and you can block out two or three weeks of cutting, so being in that 20% deficit and then picking a week, maybe where you have something on you don't want to blow out completely obviously like I was saying before you want to make your your diet needs to sort of look fairly similar to do long-term fat loss but you're going to add some back in but you might have a week where you go away on holidays or something like that that would be your diet break um or if you haven't got anything on for a long time you're going to potentially make more progress because you can you can do a really good block of diet maintenance, diet maintenance, and you're potentially going to lose more body fat there. Okay, so everyone's schedule looks different. And I often recommend to my clients that are on um, rosters, oh my God, I got a call from a Labor Party volunteer tonight and I was nearly just going to go, nah, I haven't got anything to say. And then I was like, actually, I have a fair bit to say about the health of this region and I was on the phone to him for 30 minutes anyway including talking about shift work the impacts of shift works um, but I often say to my shift working clients you know 
try and do your lower calorie days when you're in your machine, don't I, Jeanette? <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't work. Why it doesn't work? Because you're bored, you're trying to yes. stay awake, so you start yeah. picking at what's yeah. in your bag. That's right. Yeah. And those are non-hunger-based factors that, mm. um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's more your emotional state. So this mm -hmm. is the biggest thing I'm trying to combat with people as their coach is like, you know how to eat. Everyone knows how to eat in a deficit. Everyone knows how to eat a healthy diet, but there's factors that come in because we're human, you know, and we're in these different situations. Those are the factors that really need looking at. Like it's not down to, oh, you didn't have enough willpower. You know, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other topic, emotional eating. <laughs> We're just going to talk about cutting calories tonight. Um, and, you know, this is all in theory and it's only as good as you can implement it so hard because it's all production, production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But try not to stress even too much about that, Alex. Like another thing with my people on shift work is I'm wanting you guys to just rather, I had this discussion with one of the girls the other day because she's like, oh, you know, I need to fit some exercise in somewhere on my shift. I said, mate, you're at work for 12 hours. You've only got a small window either side of that shift to actually be awake and do your life. Like, get ready for the shift. Get ready to go to bed. You, know, you need to not be going off. Oh, you need to not be adding the stress of going, I need to do exercise into that. Yes, it would be great if you could. But in reality, this notion of I must do exercise all the time, it creates more stress in people's lives. So for yourself, Alex, it might be like, what can you optimise on those days? And Jeanette as well, you know, what can you optimise? Sleep, hopefully, not always. Hydration, nutrition, whole, wholesome foods that are going to support you. Not the ones you're driven to grab because you're feeling fatigued or fed up or whatever it is, but just structuring your environment so you've got access to the things that are going to support your goals. It's a fight. It's a fight against that lifestyle. It is. It really is. But you can be prepared for that armed with knowledge. So, when, you know, it's ineffective advice for me as a coach to go to you guys, oh, just get more dedicated and wake up an hour earlier and get on the treadmill. Like that's potentially harmful advice. It's not going to help you. Anyway, so any, if, if in theory emotions weren't a factor, I would be structuring my low-calorie days when I'm on shift <laughs> only because there's less movement. And then, you know, in theory, you'd be structuring some more calories on your days off and trying to move as much as possible. Could be riding horses, riding bikes. Um, getting your weight session in as well. So making sure that you're fueled for that. Absolutely. Um, so as I said, like it's looking at your own schedule. So I will send you guys some brief notes on this. It's looking at your own schedule and saying, when can I structure in some cutting? When can I, when will I need maintenance? 
So as I mentioned before, you know, training performance going down is a risk factor for cutting, but sometimes we need to do it. Um, this is something that I personally really struggle with because I would rather give, you know, 110% in my workouts. However, it's not, not always the most um, critical factor for fat loss. And I would be better off at some points actually giving some of that performance away and prioritizing fat loss via a calorie deficit. Is that making sense, guys? So, and that's coming again, coming back to that notion. If I, and I've done this before in the past, um, I share this story a lot, but I used to run a lot to try and manage my weight and get it down. I never got it down through running 50 kilometers a week because I fucking ended up eating more. You know, like, so if you try and add more exercise in, it's this, you're again, closing that calorie deficit that you've tried to create and create. So you need to be kind to your body when you're in a deficit. You need to understand that it is hard. Otherwise, everyone would have abs. I'm not saying that that's where we're going. You could go and get abs going through this process in theory. That's not for me personally. Um, but, you know, if, if it was this, if it was easy, everyone would have abs, basically. So, you know, give yourself a break. Let Admit that it's hard. Do your version of hard that you can manage, um, you know, and play around with it. Play around with your calorie targets. Listen to your body. Um, and a really important thing to do on that note is to be, some of you are tracking this with me at the moment, but, you know, keeping um, track not only not just in my fitness pal of your calorie intake like my fitness pal is just one tool but keeping track of your food intake whether it's through a written log or calorie counting um writing down how your sleep was how much sleep did you get how good was it um that feeds into your fat loss goals taking keeping track of your hydration um, your movement. So my fitness pal doesn't really allow for all of that. And also stress levels. That's a big one too. Going into a calorie deficit can increase cortisol. I don't think 20% would for most people. But, you know, if you try and go into these bigger calorie deficits, it in, can potentially increase your cortisol. You've got other stresses going on in your life and you may, as a result of that hormonal interaction, hang on to fluid that's going to mask your fat loss results on the scales. It's a thing with um, some bodybuilders. If their cortisol's up because they're in a very big calorie deficit, they're going to struggle to lose weight on the scales because of fluid retention. I don't talk about this too much because people have a tendency to blame hormones straight away for things uh, when they potentially haven't put a bit of effort in. Um, but it is, it is a thing and I've seen it in clients and sometimes giving yourself an extra 100 calories or 200 calories can actually resolve that situation. So it's about listening to your own body it's not sticking hard and fast. I can see Jeanette's like little light bulbs going off. It's not sticking hard and fast to 
Oh, Angie said I have to have um, 1,400 calories. So that's exactly it. It's not an exact science. Listen to your own body. Am I fatigued? Am I stressed? Do I potentially need a couple of hundred extra calories a day? What does that do? I've given some, I've given a client in the past, um, when I first started doing this stuff, this nutrition stuff, he was working with a dietitian who had him on very low calories and a very low um, expectation of weight loss, which in my opinion, he should have been losing a lot more weight. I did his calculations and I said, can you just eat like a bit more calories for the first week and we'll see what happens? And he lost four kilos in the first week. Now, either he was struggling to adhere to the very low calorie target that he was given or by giving him extra calories, he started moving around more. So these are the factors you need to consider. But when you're cutting, be gentle with yourself about your expectations for training. So Beth, you might not be able to do pull-ups that week. You might feel like you can't do them and that's going to suck, but it's part of the process. Um, so cutting, as I said before, you need to be precise and not everybody wants to, when I work with people and I do ask the question, like, do you count calories? Do you want to count calories? A lot of people say no, and that's fine because they can make progress through habit-based changes. They don't have to count calories. Counting calories is not an exact science, but it can be handy when you want to be a bit flexible because it gives you an idea of things. The downside to flexibility is that you can kind of sort of close the gap on your calorie deficit again. So as hard as it sounds, as harsh as it sounds, and I don't put this message out there publicly because, you know, people get enough of this shit. But when you're cutting, you probably want to eat in a fairly routine way. You probably want to limit your food selection down because then you're more likely to be in that calorie deficit than if you were very, very flexible. And I know, Jeanette, you've had success with flexibility, haven't you, Jeanette? And it gets you there. It gets you and, and it reduces the level of stress because you're still able to participate in your social stuff. But if, for example, you suddenly turned around one day, and I'm not saying that you're going to do this or this is what you want to do, but if, for example, you decided one day, oh, I want a lot more definition and I want a leaner belly and whatever else it is, that's when you've got to get quite serious so a little bit more stricter than um you know what we do do i'm i'm fairly flexible as well but you know the trade-off to that is that you do still you have a bit more body fat than maybe what you would like but you know you've got to weigh up your options then you've got to weigh up like the lifestyle benefits to do okay if i was an instagram influencer who made my living off flashing my body on Instagram, I would probably put being lean at a higher priority, but I don't do that. So it's like, yeah, yeah. So it's like, how much do you want to give up to achieve a particular goal? Um, so meal planning is essential, planning ahead, having like some fairly routine meals in your toolkit, that you know, if you don't want to literally calorie track everything that you're eating, you've got like, you know, 
a few meals that you have and you might rotate them when you're cutting and keep them really, really simple. Sometimes flexibility as well will bring you out of a calorie deficit because you're including like tastier foods that you're more likely to overeat. So you're at risk of overeating those. So by standardizing your diet down during a cutting phase, you're less likely to overeat. I mean, it's going to be hard for you to sort of overeat like plain boiled potatoes versus, you know, chips or whatever it is, or roast potatoes, how I like to have them with oil all over them and salt and stuff like that. Um, so keeping it fairly simple, what I would suggest, whether you're calorie counting or not, is just temporarily adding up working out your maintenance meal plan so in my instance I would work out a meal plan that works for me at about 1700 odd calories whatever it was it doesn't matter how you split that you could eat one meal of 1700 calories and still like be at maintenance or you could split it across four three two whatever works for you at the end of the day it's that total um, calorie amount that determines whether you maintain your weight, gain fat or lose fat. Um, when cutting, I would prioritize protein intake. And so for most of, okay, the minimum protein recommendation is 0.8 grams per kilo of your body weight. We have a little bit, bit of back and forth in my nutrition groups around oh, when you're setting someone's protein target, should you set it for the weight that they are currently or should you set it for their goal weight? I generally go about 1.5 grams because I'm hedging my bets. So what they're saying is you can go up to 2.2 grams per kilo of body weight of dietary protein. If it's not harmful, it's not harmful. It would only be harmful in a person with who already has like a kidney disease. So that's not everyone. All right. I've gone up to 2.2. I prefer to 2.2 grams of protein per kilo of body weight. Like I work really well on that, but I have to focus to get there. Like I have to really plan my meals to get there. So I don't always do that. So I'll have a tendency to give people about 1.5 grams, especially when I know they're coming in, they're training with me. So if you take your body weight times that by 1.5, there's your protein target. And that should be your pri number one priority after your calorie intake. And that's going to support the process in that you're going to maintain your lean um, tissue while you're dieting. So we're going to preserve some of that and hopefully not lose it, but you're resistance training does more than eating protein for that um, and also we want to support your appetite there so um, making sure that you feel a little bit more full while you're in the dieting process so taking that 20 percent away I would keep your protein at the 1.5 per kilo 1.5 grams per kilo of body weight and you can look at your protein intake via apps like um, my fitness pal again not exact science but it gives you an idea um, and then it doesn't really matter how you structure your carbohydrates and fats around that because you're they're going to be kept down to where they sort of need to be 
when you've looked at your energy intake and then you've looked at your protein. And when I say prioritize protein, I don't just mean counting it as a macronutrient. That's certainly one way to do it. But the other way to do it is just to make sure that you're including foods like lean protein sources like eggs, chicken, chicken breast, um, you know, like lean cuts of steak, um, Greek yogurt, low-fat cottage cheese. I'm thinking off the top of my head. I have this list um, within your my, um, PT Minder under shared documents and it's called Fat Loss Meal Builder anyway. So I set out where um, your lean protein sources, um, fruits and veg, carbohydrate sources and fat sources as well and how you should sort of prioritise those. So that's a good one to go to. Um, so when cutting, obviously you're taking that 20% away, but how do you go about that? If you're looking at your normal way of eating, like if you've kept a food diary or you have an understanding of the foods that you like to eat, you're not just mindlessly eating. You can, when you're cutting, probably the simplest way to cut is just to take out some carbohydrate. You don't need it. You might like to have it because it supports your training but if you want to just take the simple route and not add everything up take your rice out of your dinner take your pasta out take your wrap out of your lunch and just stick with your protein like have a little bit of carbohydrate but you're really going to lower it down that's going to cut your calories anyway and then when you go into maintenance you're looking at re-adding those foods so you might have a chicken salad for lunch when you're cutting that's really just you know 100 grams of chicken 200 grams of salad and maybe a little bit of like a vinegar dressing or something that's cutting when you go into maintenance, let's have it on a wrap. Let's add a little bit of cheese into that wrap, you know, so you're bringing in good foods again. You're not just going, okay, I'm on my off week. I'm going to have a pie for lunch. <laughs> you know, you will very quickly creep back up over those 2000 odd maintenance calories um, when you, through your food selection, so is this all making sense so far, guys? I'm trying to speed up my talking um, because I'm looking at the time as well. And I know that I can go off on lots of different tangents. I've spoken about the downside to calorie deficits. So you could, when you're looking at your schedule and you're looking at cutting calories and you might have a block of two or three weeks where you're going to be in a 20% deficit, you've got minimal or no social things on, um, you're going to give it a really good crack and see where you can go. Um, that might be a good idea to sort of take the training intensity down. And I don't mean skip sessions. I mean, still show up to preserve that lean muscle mass, but maybe you're lifting a little bit lighter. Um, you might do more reps instead, pedal on the bike for a bit, go for a bit of a row at the end of your session. You know, you're not going to try and lift 100 kilos. It's very individual. Some people can train fasted and or relatively or in a low calorie, um, in a, uh, a calorie deficit and some people can't. So you can actually adapt yourself to that, but that's a whole other talk. Um, so what did I say? It's downside to calorie deficits, how to manage these, schedule training, 
Okay, what a maintenance week might look like is then adding in some training. I wish, like, when I write notes for myself, I just do dot points and then I think, why didn't I write that out properly? Because I don't want to be reading a speech. But a maintenance week might look like, you know, three weightlifting sessions and two metafits going hard out or something like that. And then you might drop it back into a cutting week might be two weightlifting sessions, you know, one meta power and then just a few walks in between or something like that. So again, speak to me about that. I can help you structure that. And I've just sort of done something similar with Sarah today where we're going to periodize that training. Um, so, you know, it's there's no right or wrong way. It's very individual as always it depends on the person so it depends on what shifts the person's on how well do they recover from those if you feel like you're struggling with anything always just um sing out to me it depends if the person's got a baby like alice um sing out to me because we can work out a way around it just because maybe we came up with one way originally it might not be working anymore we're keeping we're keeping Jeanette up sorry <laughs> That's right. i've been awake since five. Oh god well well done for coming on so what we've covered so far is like what does your maintenance calories look like we've all agreed that's that's pretty high but it's based on our mass so as we decrease in mass that will also come down slightly but you've got the calculation there structure your cuts how it suits you look at your calendar you could even periodize your as i've touched on before you can periodize your calorie intake on a week-to-week -week basis like i've got four days at work i'm going to try and go low calorie and then i've got two days i want to smash my training and move around a lot more so i'm going to give myself a bit more um, as long as you're ultimately in a calorie deficit for that week fortnight three weeks month you're going to lose body fat if we're not losing and don't just look at the scales as I say to you guys always look at your waist measure look at your clothes look at your visuals it's just that the scales are pretty handy you can jump on them a couple of times a week and sort of get a, a picture of where you're at but they're only one measure so don't only link your fat loss to the scales. I have seen people who the scales have not moved for and but their body has toned up and they've become like lost centimetres. Um, if they only looked at the scales and they didn't take those photos or measures, then they would think that they hadn't gotten anywhere. And, you know, the other side to that is if we're not getting anywhere, across the board looking at a few different measures then we do need to ask ourselves how well have I implemented this what can I improve and the only way that you can do that is by looking at your daily process so what what boxes are you ticking um, and what are you doing really well give yourself a pat on the back for what you're doing really well and then pick something to pick up yeah, um, it's very easy to miscalculate foods, Alex. And that was something that it, it could be a topic on its own. And I'm quite happy to do a workshop on tracking food. Um, those apps and everything are not an exact science and it, it's human nature. It's not unique to you and you're not silly. Um, 
it's human nature to underestimate what we eat. And I think I shared like a funny little video, Dr. Nadolsky doing like he's, he's eating food and then it's, it's got like what he's tracked and then what he's actually eaten. Um, and they're two different amounts. So yeah, um, which is just common. Yes, overestimate how much veggies you're eating. Absolutely, Sarah. So that's why I give people weighted portions of veggies in their, in their plans because if, if people actually weigh out those veggies and salad, they're like, oh, holy fuck, that's a lot. Because I know the first time I did it, I was like, hmm. And I choked down 300 grams of steamed mixed vegetables from the freezer and went, holy shit, that was hard. I'm not eating as much veggies as I think. So, you know, calorie tracking, it can be a useful tool, but I don't think it should be done long-term. Um, it's very handy. And, you know, if you want to do it long-term, that's okay too, as long as it's not creating, you know, additional stress for you. Um, but really it's drilling down into those day-to-day -day habits. And if you're not, if you've listened to this talk and you're not at the point where you think that you mentally want to cut calories, that's okay too. So I'm laying it out for you. What's involved? It's tough, you know, and I'm not going to lie about that, but you should have the choice and you should also have access to someone to help you do it safely. Um, you know, in our um, nutrition course, I was very anti-working with bodybuilders and I still kind of don't want to, but I did do a nutrition plan for someone who's kind of going down that path. And I expressed that in the course and they said, yes, but you know the safe way to do things, like you're learning that now. So if someone come to you and said they had that as a goal, you can potentially prevent them from going to someone who's going to do it in a harmful way with them. And when they put it that way, I thought, oh, yeah. Also, they said they're like the most adherent clients as well because they're so highly motivated. And here I am, like I'll struggle along and work with people like myself who are just, you know, we're not interested in getting that lean. But what that does, the downside of doing like a more moderate calorie deficit for a longer time is that you will, you tend to bring yourself out of the deficit a lot just with the little incidentals that come along in life. So you might think, oh, for myself, I might go, okay, so if my maintenance is around 1,700, 1,800 calories, oh, I think I can only manage, you know, about um, uh, 1,600 calories uh, target. Well, then someone comes in with birthday cake or something or I go out for dinner, I'm back at maintenance or over maintenance, even if I just do that like once or twice a week. So there's, there is merit in doing like, you know, a slightly bigger calorie deficit, but ultimately the whole point of this talk is that you guys have got the ability to decide how you're going to do it with my support. So it's not about, it took me 12 months to study this stuff, right? So it's not about, oh, Angie gave that talk for an hour, so now I should know exactly what to do. That's not the case at all. It, as I say, it's individual. It's up to what you can tolerate. And number one, what can you adhere to? That will get you the best results. What can you adhere to long-term? Can you adhere to cycling? 
couple of weeks on, one week of maintenance? Can you adhere to periodizing them around your roster? It's totally up to you. But at the end of the day, it will be difficult no matter what you choose because it just is. Because as I say, if it was easy, we'd all be lean. Everyone would be lean. We wouldn't have an obesity issue in this region, which I just spoke about on the phone before. But yeah, um, did you guys have any questions about what I've said or did you need clarification on anything? All good? Jeanette's ready for bed. Good night, Jeanette. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am too. I'm usually, I won't be far off, but I kind of put it on at this time because I think, oh, hopefully then everyone's got dinner done and I will do more of these workshops and I, I do prefer to do them in person than I'm online, but I'm getting a bit more used to doing it online. I hate seeing my face online and, you know, recording myself talk and stuff like that, but um. I'll do a bit more of a mix of in-person and online. Now I've got the girls helping me. I can sort of prepare these things a bit better. And yeah, hopefully you guys get something out of them and it helps you or re-motivates you. And as I say, it's not about just me talking this information at you and then you going away and being able to implement it. The hardest part is implementation. That's what I'm here for. So any questions, anytime, ask me. I don't care if you send me a message or an email. I'll get to you when I can or grab me when you're at a session. I love talking about this stuff and I love helping you guys. So, um, yeah, go away, have a little bit of a think about that and we'll go from there. Have a, think, have a little bit of a think about what you might want to do and let me know. Thanks, guys. I'll turn it off now. <laughs> See ya.